Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast. With me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag for my quiz. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got change to eat. Yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, <laughs> uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. <laughs> Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on top. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Polly, the sun is shining, summer is here, the temperature is warm. I wouldn't say it's quite warm. It, it depends. I've been quite chilly. Well, it's been warmer than it was in April. Very true. And there's been no rain, which is the main point. And the forecast looks great. Yeah. It, all it means is that exams must have started. <laughs> they have. <laughs> How many have you done? Um, three down and I've got five to go. So I kind of got a bit of a break. So my next exam's not till like the 6th of June. So I have got a bit of a pause, which is quite nice. Yeah, just chill then. Don't, don't do anything for another week. Take a week off. Oh, I'm taking a day off tomorrow. Um, what are you doing? I'm going up to Lancashire Country Club. I'm having a very exciting day um, with the double header. So we'll hear for, we'll hear about that next week. Um, it's a very exciting day. Um, mm, yeah. So we're recording on a Wednesday night this yeah. week, which is unusual. It's about 24 hours earlier than mm-hmm. normal because of your little jolly up to Manchester. <laughs> yeah. I'll be in Manchester on Saturday as well because I'm doing commentary for the Thunder Sunrisers game. Brilliant. So if you're listening to this on Friday night or Saturday morning, then you can... Um, tune in to me. Tune in. Is that what one does on YouTube? Yeah, you can tune in to whatever you want. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But yeah, I've had three exams so far. So I feel like I've got the hardest ones out the way and the ones with the most content. So that's quite nice. Um, yes. Now, today was history. Yeah. And we, you played Russian roulette. Oh, you can tell everyone this. It wasn't quite playing Russian roulette because so we have four, this is for the civil rights paper and there are four mm. topics within that. So it's looking at civil rights of four different groups of people. Mm-hmm. Now the main one, which is kind of the most obvious one, is African-Americans. That's the easiest one because there's just so much stuff to to mm-hmm. know. And a lot of it, like some of it you know already and mm-hmm. it's quite easy. Second one is women. That's also quite easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some more complex stuff, but I mean, most of it's like voting rights. You know what I mean? It's quite simple. However, the last two, which I just could not get my head around, was workers' rights, which is just like the most complex thing in the world, and Native American civil rights, which is also really difficult. Um, so I focused really heavily on African Americans because I was like... You gambled. No, I didn't. I didn't gamble, <laughs> though, because I learned all of them. I had information for all of them. But I said going into the exam, I was like, if Native Americans come up, I'm absolutely done. Trade unions was the source question, so I had to do some trade union, but it wasn't that in-depth. And mm-hmm. then you get three choices for the synoptic essay, and you pick two. And the three options were African-American question, which was just like the nicest question in the world. Mm-hmm. Question on women, which was worded all right, so I thought it was okay. And there was a trade union one. So I picked uh, women and African-Americans. So I had an absolute jolly in that three-hour exam. Wow, um, well done. So yeah, wrote 15 pages, 4,000 words. No. <sighs> 4,000 words in three hours. I was an absolute machine. That um, is, that is really, I don't think I've ever written that much yeah. on an exam. Although, right, so this is something I've learned. We did not have this for mocks, but they're really strict with using laptops and stuff. So uh-huh. 
when you go to print, you have to like password protect the printing. So okay. when you go to the printer, you have to type a password in. But in like after exam, your adrenaline's pumping. <laughs> I was like trying to remember this password. Like oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and then you have to sign every single page, which is all good if you do like two pages of work. But when mm. you've done fifteen, it's a bit strenuous at the end of the exam when you just want to leave. Um, but no, I think they've gone quite well. So that's good because um, I did so much work last week and I kind of exhausted myself so I'm glad it paid off paid well off. potentially I, I won't find out till August, I know we're but... exams for the 6th of June so put your feet up no I am a, a hard worker oh yes no putting my feet up <laughs> um so... well well done hey there's been some cricket have you managed to follow the cricket despite doing all that hard work do you know I followed a little bit before my politics exam yesterday of mm -hmm. sparks diamonds and stars vipers mm-hmm I, w I really wanted to go to Edgbaston actually mm. for like half an hour or so, but actually, in fact, it turned out my school were there, so it probably wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, definitely got caught. Um, <laughs> to be I don't think the PE department would have mind. Um, but Central Sports versus Northern Diamonds at Edgbaston, eleven o'clock start, packed with school children, which mm -hmm. was fantastic. Nicely done, yeah. Um, so great from Edgbaston, Sparks, Laura McLeod, top stuff. Um, and it was a bit of a thriller of a game, really, because Northern Diamonds set one three five. They one three five all out, and it was it wasn't the best performance for them. I mean, Leah Dobson played really well, yeah, uh, forty one from twenty five, and she's really she she's a player that excites me actually because yeah. she's still quite young. Yeah. Um, but I think this year, since she got the pro contract, she's kind of come into her own a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great performance from them. Um, I mean. Sparks bowled quite well, yes. to be fair. Georgia Davis is looking like such a like strong player at the moment. She's come into the season. Again, another player that's picked up a professional contract yes. over the winter. Um, but she's kind of seen heads and shoulders above a lot of other players at the moment. Yeah. Um, and similarly, Emily Arlott being consistent again in short format cricket. So economical. Yeah. So consistent. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, brilliant. I would love to see an Ashes call up for oh, a lot just because, yeah, she is so economical. I mean, she was the top, uh, like, leading wicket taker for Birmingham Phoenix in the 100. And you think about the calibre of players that they have for the Phoenix team. So, mm. um, yeah, really yes. good. I saw footage of a run out by Katie George, which was quite spectacular. Oh, I haven't seen that, yeah, actually. Yeah. But, I mean, Katie George is an amazing fielder. So, yeah. I'm not He's surprised. He's had one stump to aim at. And... Mm hmm. And wow. wow! Yeah, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, Sparks' innings it was it was quite steady actually. It was quite slow, and uh, considering they had a low total, whether that was like the the wicket that was just a bit slow. Uh, Chloe Tryon got three for, um, but yeah, they they failed to chase it down and missed up by three runs. It was really strange because it was such a gettable total. Mm. Um, I mean, M Arlott, you know, did. Uh, absolutely brilliantly. Yeah. 28 from 21 balls. So that's the sort of innings that you wanted. Abby Freeborn, 22 from 13. So yeah. you only needed a couple more players to be striking to at that, that rate. Yeah. But yeah, strike rate was very low. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I guess what we have to say is well bowled Northern Diamonds. You know, clearly mm. they, they were putting the ball in the right areas and were struggling. Catherine Fraser, you know, yeah. contributed really well in that game as mm -hmm. well. So a really good acquisition she's been as well. Yeah, she she played really well with the bat. Then over um, at Southern Vipers v Southeast Stars. Now, I believe, according to Twitter, that this was the first professional women's game to be played in Berkshire. Fantastic. So that's in at Falkland Cricket Club. Yeah. 
I did think it was great how all these games are happening at like Old Trafford, Lords, Edgebaston, but Falkland. Standing yeah. its ground, and I really respect yeah, that. Yeah, I think they had a decent crowd there as well. Yeah, more skilled ch- school children again, I think. Yeah, and this was a weird game mm. because Southeast Stars set off like a train. Yeah. I, I mean, how they managed to lose from the position they were in. So um, they were 134 without loss. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of halfway through the 15th over. Yeah. So Which you, you're thinking a massive score there. So we're talking 180, 190. Yeah. Maybe, aren't we? Uh, but actually they ended crawling to 169 for six, which just gave a bit of hope. Yeah. I mean, Bryony Smith and Sophia Dunkley were excellent. Their partnership was amazing. But as soon as Smith was run out, then it kind of all just went downhill. Yeah. Um, and the momentum kind of shifted. I mean... Viper's bowling was really expensive. Um, I mean, you look at George Adams and Anya Shrubsole going at 13.5 and 14. It's yeah, their four yeah. overs cost 55 runs, yeah. So, yeah, um, incredibly expensive, but they did enough, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, this is the thing about Vipers is they can kind of come from anywhere and sort it out. And I think the thing that sets Vipers apart is we spoke about with Sparks that they needed a couple more people to contribute, mm. you know, uh, a couple of, you know, maybe 20, they get 40 off 20, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Vipers just do that consistently. So Bushia, although she got run out on 30, she did that from 18 balls. So she wasn't there for a long time. Danny Wyatt, 40 runs from 20 balls. And so those sort of scores just kind of add to it. And then you've got the more kind of modest innings like George Elwes getting um, 28 from 33. And then Charlie Dean hitting 20 quickly from nine. So... they I mean, that was... Those two actually were the difference, weren't they? Because you look at when the fourth wicket fell mm. um, for Vipers, they were 141 and it was halfway yeah. through the 16th over. So it's pretty similar to where Southeast Stars yeah, were. Yeah, it is actually. But whereas Southeast Stars then crumbled and struggled to mm. hit it, run a ball from that point, you've got Charlie Dean coming in and hitting 20 from nine balls. Mm. And and suddenly that's made all the difference. Yeah. And, you know, they win with a, an over to spare. Yeah. Well, it was uh, very interesting anyway. Uh, tomorrow we have got two more games. Mm-hmm. One at Lords where Danny Van could make her debut for the Sunrisers. Well, probably will. Yes. Um, and then we've got Old Trafford um, Thunder against the Blades. Yeah, which is a double header, isn't it? Yeah. Are they both? They're double both double headers, yeah. That'll be really interesting to see how mm. that works. Yeah. Um, because that is a potential model going forward, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because with Lank, certainly, they've done some. I mean, Lanks are just always on top of it. I mean, something I was going to mention is about Thunder getting their own dressing room. Yeah. And I think that's really significant. So they've turned their like, away dressing room at Lanks into the women's home dressing room. Um, which I think is just amazing. So they have pictures of, of, on the wall of their team and when they were younger and things like that. And I just think it's it's the little things that make such a difference. And it's such a statement to say, like, this is your home sort of thing, Yeah. which no other region has done. I mean, that's partly slightly political with the, the counties and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But I just think that's such a good you know, thing from Lanks. But their promotion of the doubleheader has been excellent. Um, yeah, marketing it really well and turning it into a bit of an event, which is which is really good. Um, so that'll be interesting. And yeah, Lords, I believe it's Sunrise's first time playing at Lords. That's shocking. 
It's, that is utterly shocking. I know. Well, you think Southy Stars, I think, have played at the Oval once. They should never play there. Um, so you compare that to... Eaton and Harrow. Oh, my God. Don't even, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. Well, you compare that to Western Storm, who will play at their, like, a, a main ground pretty much every... I think the only time they don't is when they play um, in Cheltenham. Yeah. And then... Um, Sparks will play at Worcester or Regibaston. I mean, sometimes Regibaston Foundation are all, all Wormsley. I mean, they've spread it out a bit more this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Blaze tend to play at the main grounds other than uh, Welbeck. Uh, no comment. Uh, but Northern Diamonds, I mean, Northern Diamonds have been playing at Headingley and Durham only this year, I think. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of shocking. Scarborough. That Scarborough. Oh, mm-hmm. can't forget Scarbados. Mm-hmm. Best players on earth. Um I mean, I know some riders have played at like Chelmsford and stuff, but to not play at Lords, like, I just think that is a bit well. It, it, it tells you all you need to know. Yeah, no comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think we have that much to talk about other than introducing our three guests today. This is so exciting, isn't it? It's is really exciting. I mean, we have an A-lister. We do have an A-lister. Someone who set up a rival podcast, but we don't hold that against No, them. we don't hold grudges. Imitation is the sincerest form of <laughs> We flattering. understand that some people just find us so inspiring <laughs> that off the back of us, they want to say, or they find us so shocking that they think, well, we've got to really improve the podcast world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those. Two one, of, one of those. I, I don't think there's any anything in between. Um, so we had Lydia Greenway on the podcast, but we also were joined by Lee and Katie from Lacuna Sports. Now, if you haven't heard of Lacuna, they are amazing. So they make women's cricket clothing specifically for women. Um, and I believe they are the first to do that. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so they've done tons of research, and I love the fact that they have essentially just driven around England, finding out what people want. And I think that is kind of the best sort of research. And visiting grassroots clubs, um, speaking to women and girls about right, what do you want? What needs to change? And all that sort of thing. And clothing is there's been so many articles, and it's such a massive factor in confidence. Um, and we spoke, we've covered so many topics, mm. but I think, you know, this conversation shows how important having clothing specifically designed for female athletes is. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So let's hear what they have to say. So firstly, to start, uh, tell us a bit about the background on Lacuna and why you first started it. Yeah, sure. Um, You'll realise very quickly that I'm not English. So um, (laughs) if if you take an American mother um, trying to to figure out cricket, watching uh, her kids play, that's where it really began. Um, about five years ago, and I, I still like to attribute this to Lydia because I think Lydia actually did a coaching program at my daughter's school. And my daughter, who was a swimmer and did all sorts of things, said, oh, I want to try this cricket thing. And my sons played um, and thought, oh, yeah, why not? And so um, I just stopped my corporate job. And so I was kind of like stalking my children and going around trying to make up for all the years I'd been missing. So watching um Caroline play cricket and I noticed that most of the girls playing were also kids she played other sports with so it's like hmm there's something to this you know before it was just boys 
And as the time went on, she started really loving it and getting more into it. And in our little local club, it was mainly boys. Um, and she kind of liked that too. Um, but <laughs> there was uh, one day um, we had a, a we had a, a visitor, an England cricketer, come in, and they kind of pulled her aside and said, "Caroline, you know, be brave. Just get in there with the boys, and don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do what they do." And she's a pretty tough kid, and she's like, "Yeah, okay." And so she got into the nets, and she was the only girl um, that day. And she, she was, they said, Caroline, come into bat, put your box in. And she's like, what? And so you can imagine the scene, which is a bunch of prepubescent boys throwing boxes at Caroline and somebody trying to give her a sock. And I mean, it was, it was horrendous. Um, and she's like, this is ridiculous. I don't have the bits. And um, I didn't know much about cricket was still figuring it out and kind of asked around, you know, what do girls wear? And they don't really need a box, do they? And, you know, the, so the, long story short, um, it all seemed very ridiculous that you, you had this growing sport, you had all these sporty girls coming into it. And not only were they being told to wear protective equipment for bits they didn't have, but they, um, you know, what became apparent quickly is then she was wearing basically men's white see-through polyester pajamas. And that starts to get a bit more awkward. And, um, and, I talked to a few people through friends and others and figured, oh, I'm sure the Aussies have taken care of this. I'm sure someone's done something. And I wound up talking to a coach in Australia who said, you know, yeah, we have it at the international level. But other than that, no, everyone's wearing boys kits. So it just seemed a bit absurd. I don't come from a clothing background. I clearly don't come from a cricket background, but I guess bloody minded enough that I just said, I'm going to do it myself. And so, um, that began what has really been about a four or five year journey with a pandemic chucked in the middle. Um, I think it's helpful because everyone took my calls, including <laughs> uh, dear Lydia, who probably would have taken my calls anyway. But um, I was able to spend time talking to almost everyone in cricket. Just, OK, if you were to start with a blank sheet of paper, what do you need? You know, it, it became very clear that women in cricket were just being given whatever. And so if they could design what they needed, um, what would make them feel good? What would make them focus on their game and not their kit is what we always say. Um, and around that time, enter Katie, who is a, a, a fellow mom on, on the side of pitches with her hands like this as our daughters go into bowl. Um, and luckily Katie is not only a wonderful friend, but a useful friend because she comes from a, a fashion background. So all the stuff that I didn't know covered in fashion uh, fabric swatches, Katie was able to help. So um, she's been a, a loyal friend and partner in crime uh, for the last few years. And we launched last year with a full collection. And what we've really set out to do is make sure that every single girl or woman on the pitch feels like they should be there and they're part of a team. So we have different cuts so if you want a more narrow cut um we have one that's a bit more relaxed which um one of our first teamers i don't know if we can say elisa hubbard said that's the one that's my post uni top and then there's my pre-uni <laughs> um and then same with trousers we've got some long and slim ones for either younger girls or people blessed with long legs um as well as a bit more of a curvier um shape so we really can cover any shape and size. We've tried to cover all sorts of other products as well. And basically we spend most of our time talking to girls and women and finding out what they need and 
tweaking and adding things as we go. So um, yeah, I'll stop there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's amazing. So tell me how demand has grown since since you launched and, uh, and, and who's, you know, how many sort of clubs and people have been uh, getting in touch with you and, and, and wanting this kit? Yeah, sure. Um, when we started, we we did a bit of a, a gentle rollout uh, last year with our local club. And because Katie and I, well, Katie's the, the head of the women and girls teams for her sins. And um, so we had some, some uh, willing and captive guinea pigs. So we started last year very gently and had our local club trying things on, as well as some of our first teamers, people around the country like Lydia and others, where we sent it out, got some feedback, started selling through our website and started getting really good feedback. Um, and in the background, we're trying to lock down the right teamware supplier. Everything we do is made in Europe. Everything we try to do in a circular way. Um, and so getting a supplier that was going to be of the right quality for teamware was really important. We did find one. So we launched our teamware. This is our first season doing bespoke teamware for clubs and, and schools. Um, our first uh which was an absolutely terrifying day, uh, was the Girls' Day School Trust select um, annual tournament of their top cricket uh, scholars against the MCC. So maybe not the one to start with, um, <laughs> especially we had no idea what the size of the girls were, but that went great. And then we have we have a club, we have our local club, which is kind of bordering Middlesex and Surrey. We've got um, one in Essex, we've got one in Yorkshire, we've got Berkshire, um, so we've got quite a few. We have a few really interesting ones we haven't signed yet um, that are further afield and some really great conversations. And what we found is the fact that we're showing up and saying, whatever you want, we can do and you're all going to feel great, um, I think has been a breath of fresh air. And we're finding really happy customers. So we're delighted. We feel like it's just uh, it's really starting to take off or, and um and we can't wait to see what's what's ahead. And I think our um, just to, to add in, I think our aim is very much um, to start at the grassroots level. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. We're not saying we wouldn't love to get a huge contract, but we're, we're tiny. We're, we're us. Um, so we knew we wouldn't we can't yet um, get a massive contract. We want to get all our processes sorted out. We wanted to start with some clubs and and really support those young, young female cricketers that are starting out. I think there's a lot of money going into the game. There's a lot of um you know it, it, huge incentive to get girls playing but maybe there isn't quite everything there ready for them to play the game so I think if we can come in there and provide some kit at some clubs and keep younger girls you know playing in the kit uh, um, then the longer they play cricket the better for us so um you know we want them want them playing so I think the aim is to get in at grassroots and, and try and get into some of these clubs and see where we get to I suppose some people might be wondering why and, you know, does this actually make a difference, especially people that have never been in a situation where they're wearing kit that doesn't fit them and it, it you know, can make you feel like the sport's not for you. But what difference has you have you seen with girls wearing your clothing when it fits them and, you know, it is made specifically specifically for them? Absolutely. I mean, the the comments we get back are, are the things that that make our day but I think there's a few things I mean we're females we were athletes when we were growing up we didn't have a lot of the things that are even available today I mean I very weirdly um was a a competitive golfer before girls did that and I can tell you sorry Richard you're probably used to this kind of chat by now but um <laughs> if I was out on the golf course all day 
and I was on my period, the thought of, dear Lord, where's the next toilet? And is there a problem? Is there not? It affected my game. And, you know, it's the same if you're on a cricket pitch and everyone's looking at you and you don't want to leave in the middle um, of innings. And it's things like having period pants. So you're not worried about it. Having trousers that are not see-through, having tops that aren't see-through. We have, um, like uh, Nick shorts. So, you know, for County, you have to wear your pads under your trousers, um, but you never have a pavilion because you're a girl. So you're having to kind of go behind a tree or whatever. So we've got things like that so that you can pull your trousers down, not show um, show your skin. It, bits like that, that when we talk to girls that say, oh my God, you thought of everything and it makes me feel good. And some of the GDST girls, there was one girl who said, I've literally never had a pair of trousers I loved. Um, now, some of our early research, even in places like rugby, where women said, you know, you go out there and you just feel like it's tight or you feel like it's not made for you and you just feel a bit self-conscious and embarrassed. Whereas if you've got something that just fits you right, you're feeling awesome, um, you feel ready for battle. And um, that's the feedback we're hearing. And that's what makes us so happy. And also, I think just some of the fitting sessions where you kind of get nervous and you think, oh dear, we've got a wide range of women here. Is it going to fit them all? And when you see 20 women of all different shapes and sizes, put them on and be like, check me out. I look amazing. You know, we've had a few like that. Um, it's mainly about, wow, this doesn't make me look bad. This makes me look good. This, I feel good in it. I feel like you've thought of the little features and, um, and I feel like you listened and made something for me. And that's, that's what we keep doing. We're not going to get everything right, but we listen and we change as we hear back. So, I mean, that, that's that's really interesting because Lydia, you you played cricket at top level for for year after year. So presumably, you played in men's kit for the entirety of your mm. career. Yeah, I did, and you know, I look back now and I think, gosh, why did I put up with that? But I think it was because people of my generation you didn't have a choice so you didn't really question anything so you know even with the equipment you didn't really question that the pads were too big but specifically with the clothing um I remember my first England top that I got and it was like a parachute like on a windy day I could have taken off like it was that big um and then I look at how it sort of developed and you know more and more I think it is more specific but even recently just as Lee was talking then I just had um, an experience a couple of weeks ago where I was doing a corporate event and it was um, delivering a coaching masterclass to people from different businesses. And it, I was the only female coach delivering it. And there were other former um, male cricketers. And when we arrived, um, the organisers gave the kit to me. So I went into the changing rooms and I thought, oh, this should be OK. I think it was like small or extra small. And I put it on and it was massive. Like they gave me a top because it was a men's small top and the trousers were massive. And I actually went back out in my jeans and I said, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't want to coach in this. But because of the sponsors, I had to keep the trousers on. So when you ask, like, why is it important? The feeling that I got then, I'm 37 years old. Like I've, I think I'm OK. I've got a pretty thick skin. I actually felt probably 20% less confident than I, I would have done if I was in something that I was wearing that was for me. So obviously I think that's that's so important, you know, for even more so I think for people at the grassroots um, stage of the game. Um, and yeah, it's just great that now there are more opportunities and more choices, I think, for people. Obviously 
great work that that Lee and Katie are doing is is brilliant, and it's it's been a, a long old slog, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think another aspect of it as well is to do with the fact that if uh, I suppose with increased coverage and stuff, if a player is wearing kit that doesn't fit them people notice it. And I think of an example, it's not cricket, but in, in football, uh, Jordan Nobbs moved from Arsenal to Aston Villa. And on her debut, it was this big event and she was wearing men's shorts. And she joked about it mm. after being like, oh yeah, they were too big because she's quite short. But that completely took away from the fact she had made her debut for a football team. You know, this is a sort of thing that, that can happen in cricket. And I think, again, it's another important thing to raise that it's not just about a player feeling confident, but it's about how everyone else sees that player and you know I know it kind of raised another question of people shouldn't you know judge people on their appearances all that sort of thing but if a player is going out there and they're wearing kit that doesn't fit that shouldn't make the headlines it should be their performance that does um which I don't think would happen in the men's game yeah absolutely I mean, we have um one of one of our early people we worked with um plays for Middlesex first team and she gave an example she said it was her first time to ever wear whites in the oval. So she was playing, you know, kind of big, big scene, uh, real game wearing whites. And she's quite short and curvy. And she said it should have been the best day of her career. But she looked up at the Jumbotron TV and she saw herself. And she said she went home and cried the whole night because mm. she's like, I just looked awful. I looked like I was in a bag and she said, you know, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I, you know, got 30 or I did this. She was just thinking about, I just looked really awful and I, I'm embarrassed. And I mean, that is absurd. You'd never have that with the men's game. Um, you're absolutely right, Polly. And I, I think we see examples of that all the time, but I have seen a few international players lately because I'm really attuned to it now. And I think, oh, you know, she's not comfortable in that. Not only is she not feeling comfortable in her own skin, but how is she bending over? Is she worried that her trousers are going to split? You know, is she going to, you know, swing for something and her top's going to rise up? It, it's just, you shouldn't have to think about that performance athlete. You should be able to have what's made for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, re it's really interesting. I guess one of the questions that comes to my mind is why is it taken a, a couple of people <laughs> to come up with this idea and, and, and manufacture it? Why aren't the big manufacturers actually doing this? So, so why aren't, you know, Nike or Adidas or whoever actually making bespoke kit for women and girls? I think that's a thorny question. I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to think of a few more commercial aspects and that if you look at the coming through cricket, I mean, men's cricket is the second biggest sport in the world. So if you're a manufacturing for a sport that big across the world, you're making massive quantities. So your arrangements with your manufacturers are huge. If then you come and say, oh, I've got this women's cricket game and yeah, maybe there's about this many people playing and we're not really sure what they want and they're all different sizes and shapes and ages. That's a pretty tricky thing to sell. So even if there's someone really sparky in the ranks, um, it's a pretty hard thing to sell when your margins are a certain way in a large commercial. I mean, I think we'll see it. They'll all come late to the party, won't they? Once the volume is there and the, the media revenue is there. I mean, I'm, I'm sympathetic to them as corporations. Um, you know, I can't speak to if they missed it completely or if someone thought of it and it got shot down in a boardroom, who knows? Um, but I think because we're small and because we're nimble and because it's in my basement and, um, you know, the, the, the mistakes are ours, the money's mine and it's, 
it's something that's a labor of love. I think it's a really hard thing to do. I can tell you as a startup and with a smallish sport with numbers, um, post-Brexit with, with the cost of sustainable fabrics these days, it's hard, it's expensive, it's hard to to do it right. And so I can see why a lot of people don't do it. I I mean, I from all the conversations we have, there's lots of people who'd love to do it. There's lots of people trying to do it in other sports. You see people like Tess Howard really working hard on, on the topic um, for school sports. You see the Well HQ. So there's lots of people, I think, talking about it. But if you see something like in the US, women's soccer, now you could say they still were pretty late to the party given how much money was made in in U.S. soccer, um, the kits still look like men's, but um, I think football's further along because the money's there. I think cricket has just been a bit small um, and has just been on the rise for the last decade or so. And, you know, I'd say bring it, bring on the competition. It'd be great for women to have choice. But I think for now, we we seem to be one of the few who really can start with a blank sheet of paper and a designer to say, what do women want for cricket? And it's... Um, it's a really humbling, wonderful place to be. But but we were astonished when we when we started looking into it. And I think it's thank goodness that that Lee was like a dog with a bone to, to say <laughs> right nobody doing it because it, even talking to people now when you you know even even friends that maybe aren't involved in cricket and they say well, what are you doing and you say oh we've, we've launched a women's cricket clothing company and they look at you and go but aren't there loads? It's like <laughs> no, there, there really aren't. <laughs> so I think it's such a surprise and actually. One of our sort of secret untapped resources has actually been going around the clubs and it's been often fathers of daughters um, because it, it's absolutely not that they're not open to it. They just simply didn't realise. And, you know, I, I could take my husband who only has brothers and now has, you know, teenage daughters and say, like, oh, I never, I just, it never, well, might not want to wear white or there isn't women's cricket kit. And suddenly he's got daughters who, you know, want to wear a top that, that's made your design for for a girl and I think the, these people are sort of so willing to make changes and I think in in the clubs you've got lots of dynamic girls heads of women's that that want to make the changes and just they're almost embarrassed they think but I, I never thought about it it never crossed my mind and I think that's what we're finding so that people are really willing to make the change but just haven't hadn't realized it was needed it's all sort of ha it's happening now which is which is really exciting yeah, and I suppose with uh, in England with women's cricket, the increased professionalism is amazing. And we speak a lot about the benefits of professionalism. And I suppose it is so much more than just paying someone to play cricket. It's about all the extra things. And I think a massive part of that is kit and, and listening to player voice. If, if a player is not comfortable wearing a certain kit, you know, don't force them to do that. And I think players need to be listened to. Do you think, I mean, perhaps this is more for Lydia, but do you think player voice is being listened to a bit more as professionalism increases? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons is, I think, you know, probably in more recent times, I think people have started to open their eyes up to how unequal things have been. And that's not just for women. I think that's for all groups of diverse people. Um, and actually that's creating a better opportunity um, for players to raise their voices, but also for the key decision makers to actually listen. And I think that that has been, you know, the biggest challenge is often the people making the decisions are making decisions on behalf of other people who they don't understand, um, which is, you know, you're going to struggle to make the right decision if, if that's always the case. Um, 
but I think the other thing, just going back to like the barriers of young girls coming into sport and particularly cricket, I think there's lots of barriers. I think there's, you know, the equipment, which can be expensive. There's, you know, the rules, perhaps the perception of cricket is that it's long and it's boring. And I think those of us who are involved in it have to really try and minimise those and take those away. And within that, clothing is one. So just by removing one barrier, um, suddenly that young girl who didn't feel comfortable in boys' kit or men's kit has suddenly actually started to feel a bit more confident because they've got something that is right for them. And that's across the board, I think. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think the more that players you know, raise their voices and talk more, the better. And not just at the professional level, um, I think at grassroots level as well. I think the experiences that are, are being had at club level is is really important. Um, and, you know, people like the ECB are obviously trying to, to delve into that as much as possible and, and find out what's happening there. And let's talk a little bit about um, Cricket White. So we've got the test match coming up um, for the Ashes really really exciting and so many cricketers have spoken about kind of the honour of putting the test whites on you know test cricket for a lot of people is is considered the pinnacle um, and it's this really special event um, and I remember a couple of years ago Tammy Beaumont spoke out about you know I love playing in whites but when I'm on my period it's a big problem because you know the kits aren't designed to to deal with that and so um, what's kind of your thoughts on wearing test whites uh, rather than saying okay no we're going to get rid of them sort of thing that kind of debate first thing i'll say which is not a cop out it, it i really mean it i am not playing the sport whoever is playing needs to wear what they're comfortable in but what you said polly is really important and that you know i don't i don't care if you're a girl or a boy the idea of playing in something like the ashes that's your dream right and if you were a little girl growing up and lydia you can speak to this because you were that little girl growing up you know, you weren't looking at women playing in the Ashes, you were looking at men. And, and if you're thinking about playing test cricket, whites are just, it's its the same as Wimbledon. It's the same as, as lots of things. To me, if you say women bleed, so therefore they can't wear white, I find that kind of hits a little nerve for me of we're still other, you know, we're still not quite like everyone else. We're a bit unique. We need to be coddled. We need to be treated differently. What I would say is, you know, the same reason you have a box to protect certain bits of your body, we should have period pants that fit every woman in the color of their skin to wear if they need to wear whites or they want to wear whites, they're not going to bleed and they know they're not going to be bleeding because they've been given equipment that suits their body to help them play their game the way they're meant to. Now, I think some people, and if, you know, Timmy Beaumont or somebody else or Lydia wants to say, I don't want to be forced to wear whites, then we'll back that too. We we make whites, we make colored kit, we make whatever. But the first piece of kit that we designed was a period pant because we said, we're a woman, you're not going to play in white. You know, you can also bleed in navy. I hate to tell everyone, you can bleed through that too. So um, my personal take is our bodies, whether they're male or female, have certain requirements and we need period pants. So that should enable someone if they want to feel proud wearing their whites, if they're cut for their bodies and they look good in them and they don't bleed through them, bring it on. Um, but 
we, we, yeah, we felt really strongly it's actually up to the brands to take responsibility for designing clothing that allows girls to wear what they want. Um, and as Lee said, you know, one of the first things we spoke to it said, oh, my very similar to what you said, Polly, my proudest day and the proudest day of my life is the first day I put on my England. We want them to be able to do that. So let's design the pair of pants for them to wear. At the same time, some, some of the counties particularly are pushing the trend. So absolutely no problem. We can do navy, black, you know, we can do whatever colour. But I think our point is we absolutely want girls to be able to. We think it's it would be really um, short-sighted of us just to go down. We're doing that because you're then stopping some girls being able to wear what they want. So for us, it's about feel comfortable either in, in period pants and in any colour to, to, to make sure they can be on the pitch and not, not leak through. I'd agree with that. I think, you know, as a player who's obviously played in the Ashes as well, I think, you know, wearing cricket whites is quite a cool thing because that's what you've seen everyone else do. Um, and again, you have to deal with, if you are on your period during a test match or whatever, then you do have to, there is an added distraction to that. And so, in years gone by there's never been a solution um for players and you just sort of have to run off the pitch you know do your thing and then come back again <laughs> and your your mind does you know it is you, you are um taken away from from what you're meant to be doing um so yeah i'm all for trying to adapt things rather than saying that women shouldn't play in whites um but then equally i understand you know even at club level as well I think more and more teams now are turning to the coloured clothing which is great and I suppose as well it's the, the idea that it's a bit more colourful as well so perhaps a bit more appealing to, to the younger ones coming through. So I mean it's been amazing to hear all about this let's say we've, we've got listeners who are play for clubs or club administrators and so on if they want to get some of your kit or, or a club wants to use you as their manufacturer of their kit how how do they do that how how do we get in touch how do we sort that out um very easy you can come to lucunasports.co.uk uh you can go to the female cricket store um our our collection pieces our whites and our um, navies are on there or you can come to our website and then for teamwear it's just teamwear at lucunasports.co.uk and um You'll see us tootling around England and we always show up because this isn't stuff that one size fits all. We we hang out with clubs. We let them try everything on. We let them touch it and feel it and we deliver it all. So um, we love our little road show. We love, we we love, love packing up <laughs> going to all, all sorts we of places. We have been some pretty weird and wonderful places in the middle of the night eating packets of crisps and peanuts. <laughs> club meetings. It's a training session. <laughs> It's actually it's a really good insight, you know, to, to touch on something we said earlier about learning as we go. Going to these different clubs and um, counties has been amazing because we've met all sorts of um, different women from from sort of younger teenage girls to, you know, mums that are deciding, oh, my daughter's playing. I now want to get back into, you know, softball league or it's amazing way in these sort of communities of women that are playing cricket, which is so exciting. And there's a lot different requirements and it's been a great learning for us in this sort of first full season of saying oh could you actually do this and now someone's saying oh actually I'd really like a t-shirt top or I'd like a whatever people want we're sort of listening and hoping to adapt into the collection so so to, to cater for all girls and women. Can I just say something as well just on that I think it's really rare that you get people who are willing to get in their car and actually go to a, a cricket club and and let everyone try it on and I think you know, the idea of 
like personal um I guess you know actually speaking to a human is a bit lost these days isn't it isn't it when it comes to customer service so um yeah I think it's brilliant well the counties have been the women and girls uh I'd like to give a shout out to them I mean we haven't met a county yet who hasn't opened their arms to us and said just come in and talk to our clubs or come in and talk to us because they really do want to cater particularly at the grassroots level they really want to get it right and keep people um in the game and and get girls through so yep so we're happy to show up (laughs) and it's brilliant it seems like like all great business ideas it's one of those things that you've come up with it and everyone's saying why has this not existed before (laughs) how how come it's taken so long to come up with this idea so we want to wish you really really well with it and uh, it'll be great to see this growing and expanding and you know and i'm sure you know other people will want to steal your ideas as well and 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 and, you know the the market for for girls and women's sports clothing is is going to grow you know without doubt as we've seen the growth of girls and women's sport over the last few years i hope so you know it's there's we hope competition soon because that means there's choice so and if um, we can be one tiny part of a solution of honestly keeping girls playing sport and not dropping out um, and enjoying it and having fun and, and being part of a team with their friends all wearing a cool kit then then our, our mission is we we feel we feel happy it's been lovely so, to meet you it, you too you. thank you so much for having us thank you so much for the opportunity honestly it's a real treat to meet you we've, yeah. we've been listening to your podcast and really enjoying it love, love the father daughter dynamic holly <laughs> <laughs> we're putting we're putting a lot of pressure on our own daughters it's like well yeah. you're not doing anything like this you're just on, you're just on tiktok gcse's ha huh? <laughs> thanks so much guys yeah good luck thanks so much. good luck good luck polly So Polly, you're going to go out and get yourself some of that clothing. Um, well, in fact, there is a piece of clothing on the way, which I'll have to talk about next week because I think it's supposed to arrive tomorrow. So yeah, very exciting. But yeah, have a look at Lacuna's website and get your hands on some incredible uh, clothing and equipment. So Yeah, and uh, thanks go to those three. I mean, yeah. Lydia, um, who is, you know, the word legend is overused <laughs> somewhat, but she is mm-hmm. a legend of the women's game. So absolutely great to have her on the podcast mm-hmm. and thanks thanks for your time Lydia there was brilliant so uh next week we'll of course have another guest there's loads of cricket happening in the next couple of days and the Charlotte Edwards Cup being packed into three weeks is amazing but it means it's a bit hectic um so as soon as I get a preview out I've got a uh kind of report of whatever's been going on so it is a little bit crazy but it's so exciting and yeah, the, I, it feels like we're properly into summer now, kind of with... It reminds me of the Commonwealth Games last year. You, that sort oh, of compacted tournament yeah. where it's just non-stop. In yeah. fact, that was two games a day, mm, wasn't that it? That was kind of crazy. But I loved that. Yeah, I, loved, no, I was exhausted by it, yeah. but I loved it. <laughs> I remember the end. I was just absolutely drained. But no, it was very good. So yeah, we'll be back with another guest. Oh, do you know what we haven't mentioned? The revival of our TikTok yeah, have you not seen this? No. What? Oh. You've been doing stuff without me. Yeah, sorry. I've been making a couple of TikToks. Actually, I've put them as reels on Instagram as well, but I haven't put it on the main feed. So you have to go into the special reel section. It's like this whole thing. I have no idea what you're talking um, about. I, I can show you old folk after. Um, 
but um yeah i've been making some tiktoks so i think they're actually quite good they're relatable they're funny yeah so hey kids get hey on the kids. old tiktok get on tiktok i've got one coming out today about like about how, like no about, about the word like and it's overuse about uh how it's less than a month till the ashes like yay can't wait <gasps> the ashes the ashes i picked my team Shall we do that in an Ashes preview episode? Oh. I think we'll have to do the Ashes preview episode at some point. I'm trying to think when the perfect time would be. Can I just say two spinners? Can I say two spinners? Okay, okay. Shut up. Wow, getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back next week. So in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, which is North Child Podcast, Twitter, which is Our Child Podcast, and our favourite TikTok, which is North Child Podcast. Thank you.